Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Greetings. Hi, Sarah. Hi, this is Sarah. Friends, welcome to Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. We have Sarah Eskridge of Democracy Found, and she's going to talk about her election reform organization. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. We are glad to have you. Let us get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. So as you mentioned, my name is Sarah Eskrich. I run an organization called Democracy Found, and our work is based in Wisconsin, focused on implementing a political innovation, an election innovation called Final Five Voting, which I'm sure we can talk about in more detail as we get going. I came to this work after a background in politics, like many people, both in policy work and in local government work. And frankly, came to this solution of final five voting after being incredibly frustrated by both of those things, by the inability to get good. In my case, I had been working on healthcare policy for about a decade to, in my opinion, the, the challenges that we were facing advancing, what were really some very pragmatic policy solutions that behind closed doors, pretty much everybody could agree on. And then all of a sudden, policy, politics got involved and nothing would happen. And so it felt like we were rolling this big old boulder uphill and it just was not going, it wasn't going anywhere meaningful. And then at the same time, having this very political experience of serving as a local elected official and considering what sort of the electoral politics path might look like for me. And similarly feeling like there just was not, there wasn't the ability to affect change in a meaningful way in the way that our current politics is operating. So when I originally read the work that Catherine Gale did in 2017 with her co-author at the time, Michael Porter from Harvard Business School, her diagnosis of our political system and the broken, the broken but in many ways not broken, working exactly as it's intended to and designed to do system Um, It was like a light bulb was going off and explained so well the frustrations that I was feeling in both my political world and my policy world. So my my background really did drive me to feeling personally incredibly passionate about the work that I've now had the privilege of leading in Wisconsin for the past three years. Since I went to school in Wisconsin, where in Wisconsin is your organization? Sure. We, I'm, I'm based in Madison, Wisconsin, but my board and my leadership members are all over the state. We have a really strong presence of our leadership in the greater Milwaukee area. We also have a strong pre- presence of leaders in the Fox Valley, as well as in the La Crosse area, and people who have joined our movement from all throughout the state. Did you go to school in Madison or somewhere else in Wisconsin? Stevens Point. Oh, fabulous. Wonderful. Beautiful area of Wisconsin, central Wisconsin. Yes, Wisconsin is a great state. So you said you were an elected official. Which office did you hold? I served on the Madison City Council, so I was a, an alder for the city of Madison. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a fascinating experience, right? Because as we're going to talk about today, I think a lot of the challenges that we're seeing 
in politics come from this, this duopolistic system um, that again, Catherine Gale's industry analysis describes so adeptly. And the interesting thing about local government is that it's nonpartisan in most places. And in Madison, in my experience, local government was, it was a nonpartisan elected office. And one of the great values of that is that we could create these, these sh ever shifting coalitions of people on different issue areas. So on one topic, I might be working super closely with one colleague and then on a different issue, that colleague and I were on totally different sides of the issue and that that was okay. And in fact, that was normal. Um, and, and that we could roll up our sleeves and work together in the areas that made sense for us to work together without this label of party preference really dictating our ability to work together or not. And I found that really liberating about local government and the ability to, as I said, roll up our sleeves and solve problems in a way that our current political system, particularly federally, particularly in Congress, our elected officials just don't frankly have the freedom to do in our current political system. So kindly describe the work of Democracy Found and the final five voting. Sure. So Democracy Found is built on this shared frustration by so many of us that Washington DC isn't getting anything done. and comes it brings people together from both sides of the aisle people on the right people on the left who have very different um perhaps policy solutions in mind for what it means to get things done in washington dc and different preferences for who they want to see getting those things done in dc meaning they're voting for different people but they can come together around this shared understanding that ultimately the incentives that our elect electoral system itself are dictating are causing a lot of the gridlock to happen. So let me describe how final five voting addresses that problem of incentives and gridlock. So I think most of us are familiar with the fact that even if we don't think about it very often, we all kind of know that primaries are the only election that matter. So to say in 86%, I think it is, of our congressional elections, it's only 10% of the electorate who are deciding who gets elected. By the time that primary election is over, we already know who's going to win in the general election. So our elected officials are really only accountable to that very small segment of the electorate, which makes it challenging to get anything done. So I always like to ask people to go through a little thought experiment when thinking about final five voting and the need for it, which is to say, you know, imagine you are a federal elected official, you're a member of Congress, and you're looking at some sort of consensus oriented solution to whatever issue you care about. So I already mentioned for me, it's healthcare. I know that there's some pragmatic things that we could do, consensus oriented solutions um, that that could make our healthcare system deliver better for Americans. And again, behind closed doors, most elected officials would tell you, yeah, this is good policy. This makes sense for the country. This is absolutely something that the majority of my constituents even support. But ultimately, they can't vote for that piece of legislation right now because 
if they do, if they vote for that consensus-oriented solution, they're going to be at least threatened with, if not taken out in a party primary. So to say that party primary is the only election, election that matters and that constituency that votes, the special interests and the um, more extreme party primary voters are the only voters that matter. So I can't vote yes on that consensus-oriented solution because I'm gonna get primaried. So that creates this, this gridlock in Washington, DC. So final five voting disrupts that current equation by saying, let's get rid of party primaries. Let's make it so that there's actual competition in a general election again. Let's make it so that everybody's on the same ballot in the primary, whether you're running as a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, a green, a libertarian, one ballot and vote for your favorite candidate regardless of their party affiliation and regardless of your affiliation as a voter. And the top five candidates advance to the general election. And that allows for both, as I mentioned, true competition, but also spirit and debate about different issues on that general election and allows for voters to have meaningful choices for who they want to elect. So all of a sudden there's accountability in a general election for delivering results out of Washington, DC, because people are gonna vote for their favorite candidate and they'll also have the opportunity to vote if they want to, they can express their preference for their second, third, fourth, and even last place choice on a ranked choice ballot at that general election. And that sets up a series of an instant runoff general election. So an instant runoff just means you count all those first place votes first, and if someone gets a majority, they win, the election is over. So to say, if they get over 50% of first place votes, they have majority support in their electorate and so they should win. But if someone doesn't get 50% support from first place votes, you go into those rounds of runoffs. So whoever came in last gets dropped, they're essentially out of the race and anyone who voted for them has the opportunity to have their second choice counted. And you go through those rounds of runoffs instantaneously because of that ranked choice ballot tool. And what that does is it means that whoever gets elected has the broadest support amongst their general electorate. So now they can go back and look at that pragmatic consensus oriented policy solution that I was discussing earlier. And they're no longer worried as an elected official, you and I, if we're playing the thought experiment, we're no longer worried about being taken out in a party primary because We've already discussed this piece of legislation is something that the majority of our constituents actually want us to vote for. So now, even if there's a, a small minority of ideologically extreme voters in your district who don't want you to compromise on anything, you, know, you can still get through a party primary if you vote for something that's compromise oriented and you can build a coalition of support in a general election amongst you know, first, second, maybe even third place votes to craft that win. So it really just, makes it so that final five voting makes it not so that we change necessarily who gets elected, but more importantly, changes the governing incentives for whomever gets elected. So we like to say it's not likely, you know, don't have to scare the partisans. It's not going to change a red district blue or a blue district red, but it is going to make sure in final five voting elections that ultimately our elected officials are accountable to their general electorate and we all as voters have more choices and can provide for that electoral accountability at the ballot box in our November elections. So long answer to your question, Andrew, but that's final five voting. That's the um, both rationale behind it 
and the way that final five voting works. Is there anything that I could do to, to clarify that at all? Do you have any kind of follow-up questions on how it works? Indeed. So does it remove primaries and caucuses altogether then? Thanks for clarifying that. No, there would still be two elections. So there would still be a primary election and a general election. The thing that changes about the primary is as you know, your listeners who care about this stuff probably are more aware than most people, right now, primary elections differ based on your state. Some are open primaries, some are closed primaries. Um, they, they operate differently because in our federalist system, election rules are created at the state level. So our proposal is to say that in a final five system, it's a single ballot top five primary. So you still have a primary election, but instead of having to, in Wisconsin, right now our voters have to choose whether they're gonna vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary. And you can't cross, or the independent primary or the Green Party primary, right? You have to choose your party primary and you can't cross over. So say for sheriff, you wanna vote for the Republican, but for governor, you wanna vote for the Democrat, you can't do that on your current ballot in Wisconsin. And a top five primary would change that. It would say you can vote for your favorite candidate regardless of their party affiliation because all of those candidates are on the same, same ballot and the top five vote getters advance to the general election, again, regardless of their primary party affiliation. So you can imagine, we'll continue using Wisconsin for example, in certain congressional districts in Wisconsin that are very red districts, you might have two Republican candidates, a libertarian candidate, an independent candidate, and a Democrat make it through that primary election onto a general election in a red district in Wisconsin. And similarly in a blue district in Wisconsin out of a primary, you might have two Democrats, a Green Party candidate, a Democratic Socialist candidate, and you know the, the token Republican or an independent candidate. Um, you would have a representative set of choices on your general election ballot of your district as a whole, because that primary operated simply as a narrowing mechanism to get to the, the five candidates who have um, broad electoral support in that primary. Does that make sense? I think so. So the primaries, there's the primaries of all parties. And then once the primary is over, then the top five are in the general election. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So how do you plan to implement final five voting on a local to statewide level or through federal initiative? Or how do you plan to implement this? Yeah, great question. So in Wisconsin, where we do our work at Democracy Found, we have we do not have binding ballot initiatives. So I should say that this, this idea of combining the top five primary with an instant runoff general election, this final five voting system, the only place that it's been adopted so far is in the state of Alaska. Alaska adopted a final four system, so a top four primary and an instant runoff general election through ballot initiative in 2020, meaning they took the question to their voters on the ballot and the voters said, yes, we want this system of final four voting in Alaska. We don't have that option available to us in Wisconsin because we don't have binding ballot initiatives. So we're passing our change of final five voting. Our goal is to pass through state legislation because ultimately every state 
can determine their electoral rules through state legislation. So it means passing a bill in our state legislature and getting the governor to sign it, putting together that sort of legislative support for the effort in the state of Wisconsin. That's our mission at Democracy Found. And that that work is going to differ based on the state that you're in, in terms of the, the method by which you have uh, the option to advance final five voting. So what arguments do opponents put against final five voting and how do you overcome these arguments? Sure. It's a great question. We're finding that there's much broader support for final five than one might anticipate perhaps if you've been in politics a long time. I think some of us who have been inside of politics, it, it gets hard to imagine things being any different and it's sometimes hard to imagine change, but people are, are ready. <laughs> people are fed up with the current system not delivering any results, no matter where you sit on the political spectrum. So our, our problem, our challenge is not convincing people that there is a problem. Our challenge is helping to socialize this new system. Final five is, is new, as I mentioned. Alaska is the only place that has implemented it so far. So it's, it's something a lot of people haven't heard of. So a lot of the pushback that we get is just, gosh, this is new. I've never heard of it. Could this actually work? And what we say is, you know, yes, Alaska is doing it. And as, as you can, as you hear us describe it, I think it makes a lot of sense to people. Uh, it has the benefit of being a truly systemic change, meaning it's not going to inadvertently benefit one party or the other. It's about benefiting voters in our system of governance as a whole. Um, and that's incredibly persuasive and powerful. The pushback that we often get is that it sounds pretty complicated, right? Particularly this system of the instant runoff general election. And luckily, the instant runoff general election is enabled, as I mentioned, by ranked choice ballots. And places all across the country have used ranked choice ballots for decades, uh, in other countries for century. Um, it's a pretty common electoral system when you look out internationally. And so there's a lot of experience to date in using that system of ranking to elect our leaders. And municipalities all across the United States, and I think it's in over a dozen states now are using a ranked choice ballot for their local elections. So there's a lot more experience with this um, and experience from a voter perspective that it's not confusing to voters than people might originally anticipate. And then, you know, then sometimes the pushback that we hear, which is to say voters have in at the municipal level done very well with ranked choice ballots. They've appreciated them. They've used them. Uh, they want to continue using them. They've expanded use of that ranked choice election uh, time and time again because it allows them to have more, more choices and ultimately more accountability through their, their voting system. And that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. So the biggest pushback to sum it up that we get is going to be confusing. Is it really going to work? And evidence to date shows that it's not too confusing and that it does work. So we can overcome that pretty quickly. Good to hear. So is there significance to the number five as Alaska, you said, chose, chose four? So is there significance to number five or is it just a matter of 
limiting the number and you could do five or six or four? Yeah, actually, so I mentioned Catherine Gale, who really is the originator of this, this concept of final five voting. She's done a lot of research and analysis to show that five is the right number to use from both a game theory perspective and data science analysis to say that this is the right number of choices that gives people enough choice without being too much choice in, right? We, our brains can only handle so many different options uh, to some degree powerfully to consider powerfully those, those various options. And five has been shown to be that right balance of giving voters real options and choice without being um, too many choices. And ultimately, as I mentioned, we've done some of those more game theory analyses to make sure that this is the system, the number that's least likely to get gamed in our current political system and be able to hold that accountability for our uh, elected officials. So five, there is there is reason for five. It's it's a powerful choice. Obviously, I think Alaska is still going to see great dividends from their move to Final Four voting. We're we're appreciative of them advancing that forward. Um, we're just trying to slightly improve by doing Final Five voting in Wisconsin. That's impressive how you're using research to determine that number and not making it just an arbitrary number. Well, it's fascinating, right? Because if you, uh, thank you for that. And I think it is important to know that when, while we are talking about an electoral innovation here, we're not talking about something that's been designed in a vacuum without going to the data and looking at everything that we, we do have available to us, even if we haven't implemented this particular system previously. Um, for example, Another reason, right, that we've chosen five is that political scientist Lee Drutman says in his, he does a lot of work on, um, you know, what it would look like if the United States had a multi-party system and what the real ideological factions look like in our country beyond the, the two-party duopoly that we see. And he sees that naturally we have essentially somewhere between four and six ideological factions or what would be parties in a different sort of system in the United States. So again, that's just more evidence to show that five is a, a degree of ideological diversity for voters that is reflective of our political reality. Excellent. So how can our listeners support you and Democracy Found? Thanks for the question. We are looking for opportunities to talk about final five voting, both, I, I have to shout out Wisconsin in particular because I run our organization at Democracy Found, but it's not just Wisconsin. If you're in a different state and you're interested in getting involved, uh, I would direct you to the Institute for Political Innovation. The Institute for Political Innovation is really the national hub for final five voting theory, scholarship and action campaigns in various states. Wisconsin being one of them. And right now, Final Five is, is still relatively new. A lot of people haven't heard about it. So it's incredibly meaningful for your listeners to share this information. If you're interested and intrigued and want to learn more, there's a 17-minute TED Talk that I mentioned our founder, Catherine Gale. I've mentioned her multiple times on this call, but she does a fabulous job in 17 minutes of summing up Final Five voting. Please 
please share that with your friends and family, share this podcast um, and help people either go to www.democracyfound.org to get involved in the Wisconsin effort or look up the Institute for Political Innovation to get involved in other states all across the country. Wonderful. So Sarah, thank you kindly for coming on the podcast today and talking about Democracy Found and Final Five voting. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, Andrew. Sure thing. All the best to you and your organization. Take care. Thank you. Take care.